Happy Money Monday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Effect Podcast. I am your host, Chris Ross, and for today's guest, we have a world-renowned entrepreneur known for his ability to generate six to seven to eight figure profits for his clients nationwide by using paid traffic, Mr. Matt Young. His work has been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, Yahoo Finance, Today Show, and more. Matt has also been recognized as a top online entrepreneur by USA Today, as well as top 20 entrepreneur by Forbes Magazine. One of the things that I wanted to point out before we bring on Matt in sharing today's episode is his natural ability to be able to go through the surface level all the way down to the deep in the corner root on why his customers and clients need his services. Matt believes in empowering his agents to step away from outdated platforms and educating his clients to leverage more advanced systems to predictability scale their commissions. If you're in a real estate industry and you're wanting to get better clients, Matt's the guy to go to. Without any more delay, let's go ahead and jump into today's show and stand by for a quick message for our co-host, Wes Bays. Before I bring on today's guest, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you never miss the fire content we're bringing you every week. If you're listening from your favorite podcast platform, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review letting us know how you're enjoying the show. And as always, follow us on Instagram at The Win Win Effect to stay updated on upcoming shows and get exclusive behind the scenes footage. And lastly, fill out the feedback form and letting us know how you enjoyed our guest today and which guests you would like to see in the future. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the show. All right. I'd like to introduce Matt Young to the show. Matt, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. Forward to this. I know you're back in Phoenix and back in, you know, live to that where we're able to have this recording and bring, you know, to our listeners a lot of value. And there's so much that we're going to have a conversation with because I know that we've had a couple of different conversations about, you know, so many different areas of opportunity for our listeners, for what you got going on. I mean, it's not too difficult sometimes to make an impact in business if you have the right attributes and you come from the right type of background and being put in a tough situation and overcoming adversity. I think it's really inspiring for people. I'm really excited to have this show, man. But other than that, I mean, welcome back to the U.S. I know that you were traveling a lot. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, I just came back from Mexico um, and was just out there for a few weeks, just grinding. And, um, you know, I, I told you before, we have virtual assistants out there. So mm-hmm. every now and again, I, I want to go out there and make sure that, you know, also just on a cultural level, right? Like, it, I think it's good to just work with people in person. It just kind of adds to that layer. Sometimes there's a disconnect when you're in the States right. and when somebody's across the, 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 a totally different country. So, yeah. I mean, also, I mean, it's difficult when you're running a virtual businesses. I mean, I find that a little bit difficult because sometimes I'm, I'm not in their house. I'm not in, you know, in a facility where I can control the type of environment and the culture and making sure they're doing all the, the small things done right. And I think that's the difference between getting great, especially in entrepreneurship. And if you have someone that could be just a virtual assistant, I look at them just as important as an executive because it's, you know, one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, if they have a negative attitude and they're having conversations with, I don't know, customers or clients or businesses, and they're not getting to that right outcome that I'm looking for with my core values, that's a freaking problem. That's 100% true, man. Um, 
you know, aligning yourself and having the right value systems. Most people I don't think are, are too clear about that, especially mm -hmm. when you're, when you jump into entrepreneurship head first, most people aren't thinking about culture or value systems or what motivates people, right? Different things motivate <clears throat> different people. So the things that you and I may be motivated by may not have the same layer of effect that it would on a virtual assistant and vice versa. So it's, it's all about just, I guess, <clears throat> staying empathetical to, you know, different, different people and, you know, how they perceive, um, you know, what success means to them. Right. I mean, this is hard for sometimes, but people don't know how to communicate that properly. If you have a manager in place, not really a leader, and just, just making sure that you're setting this tone for your businesses. And I know that you own two different businesses and we'll talk a little bit more about that. I know that you have a knack and an uncanny ability to be able to generate, you know, a six and seven figure profits for clients nationwide by using, you know, paid traffic and you've been featured in ABC, NBC, CBS, like Fox. There's so much you've done at a very young age. I guess I hate when I say things like that because you know, yeah, very young age, but that's a, that's a good thing. Some people look down on that. I guess when a lot of people in the industry, they're like, well, this kid, or I mean, you got kids right now, 24 years old, making billions, you know, billionaires that's right. setting up a business in tech. I mean, cause you can't yeah. look at it as an age anymore, in my opinion. You know, <clears throat> I think, um, you're absolutely right. There's so many millennials and there's so many, um, just younger generational individuals who see the waves of, <clears throat> excuse me, see the waves of transformation in terms of business mm -hmm. business today in 2020 is run completely different thanks to technology. Right. And if you want to scale quickly, you're going to want to learn the tools of technology. You're going to want to learn social media because you know, you can, you could rely on word of mouth and that still has a time and a place, but just the effect of being in front of 8 billion people at the click wow. of a button is like, it's, it's, it's second to none. And, um, you know, fortunately we've seen how things have transpired and even more so with everything happening with COVID. Um, it's just a, an amazing time to, you know, have digital assets, you know, to, to own digital companies. I mean, about five years ago, I'm even longer than that. I was screaming to people when I was struck out on my own about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. And I was coaching, you know, clients internationally and then went from there to taking the profits, taking the earnings and revenue and then reinvesting back into myself, mentorship, and then starting businesses and then keep building and building. I mean, for the most part, I know that for the listeners don't really know much about you, which is kind of hard considering there's a lot of people that you do know, especially in a real estate type of field, right? So, and that's a lot of profit, a lot of revenue when you're looking into investing and trying to get the right leads and the right traffic to your businesses and you setting things up. For the most part, like what actually, and I know that this is, a lot, this is a, probably a loaded question, but what actually gave you the motivation or gave you the idea of going into the field you are in now? Five years ago, um, I used to work at a tech company called Outbound Engine. Uh, mm -hmm. They were the top 95 fastest growing uh, privately held company uh, ranked by Inc. Magazine. Mm -hmm. So that place taught me so, so much about marketing, so much about, you know, the, the potency of advertising and where people are allocating their marketing budgets. And I quickly realized that, um, you know, social media is just, like I said, it's the quickest way to expedite generating new clients on a, you know, uh, automated and in such an automated way. And I, I worked there for a couple different, for a couple years and I became the number one 
uh, sales rep there. And Realtor.com, which is actually one of, I think it is the largest um, real estate lead generation company. They found out that I was, you know, doing pretty well mm-hmm. and they poached me with a pretty nice sign on bonus and, and all these enticing things. And I thought that it was just a, a, a forward uh, move for my career. And so I just kind of hopped over there and um, learned the algorithms, learned exactly, you know, what they were doing. And, um, and then I realized like, you know what, I think I want a bit of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of want to branch out on, on, on my own. And I think I have the, the knowledge and the self-sufficiency uh, to be able to do that. So right. I think that that's a really good pivotal point in anyone's career. Sometimes and a lot of people think that they need to, I guess, hone in on their craft and really get a lot of knowledge in their industry and becoming one of the best in the industry and then going and then starting your own business is sometimes not true. You, for some people like ourselves that, you know, we don't have any entitlement and we come from, I wouldn't say a hard upbringing, but we come from a lot of you know, difficult situations in our lives. And we have to make sure that we're putting ourselves in the right situation to move forward and nothing's going to break us. Like I'm going to break whatever situation before it breaks me. That's I'm not right. going to lose. That's right. So, and I know that you come from that type of background when you go into a field and then you start spreading your wings a little bit and you're, I guess you would say, um, making your bones in the industry and mm-hmm. then you get noticed by some big players. And I was poached as well in a lot of education fields. And that's why I started speaking on stage and become one of the national, um, top, top recruiters in the nation on education. And then went from there to, Hey, wait a minute. I don't want to do this shit and make this amount of money. I want to do, I want to make their, your money. So I know that you have a lot of life perspective come from sales and a marketing. My question for you is when you made that transition, was it the fact that you can realize that you can make an impact in your own businesses and going into entrepreneurship? Or was it that you didn't believe that everyone else had maybe the talent or the self-sufficiency of what you're talking about of what you have actually possess? I think everybody has the potential but not everybody recognizes that they have potential. And that's the difference. Um, Most people, uh, they subject themselves to low frequency thoughts, right? They, Mm -hmm. they second guess themselves too much. um, And which is just a complete recipe for disaster. In my opinion, Absolutely. Uh, some of the, some of the smartest people um, actually don't go the farthest in life because they have analysis paralysis Mm -hmm. and entrepreneurship is bred off of, the speed of implementation. How quickly can you conjure up an idea and how quickly can you position that in the marketplace? And I had analysis paralysis a a lot actually growing up, but I realized I looked around, I said, well, if I'm so smart, why am I in this position? And I have, you know, guys who are my age who are doing five to 10, 15, 20 million a year, but I perceive myself smarter than them. And so there was a perspective shift that had to happen within my own my own life and say, well, Matt, you're, you're really not that smart. Um, and you need to, and if you were smart, you'd be taking more action than you would be philosophizing about how smart you are. You know, one thing that's, that's, I think, curious for a lot of people when they hear about the jump, right, is that, you know, what was, obviously, the, the mindset had to shift. Obviously, that was your first thing that had to happen. That's right. What was your, as, an, as a new entrepreneur, making that shift into being, becoming an entrepreneur, what were your first steps that you took uh, that you felt like were necessary so you can give yourself that jump right into it? You know, I just ripped the bandaid off. Um, I didn't even ease into it. I mean, I, I think at the time when I um, skated out, I had a cushiony, you know, six figure job. So it wasn't like I was 
struggling. Um, but I really ripped the bandaid off and just the, the, I think the first thing that I, <clears throat> that I focused on was just client acquisition. You know, I, I said all businesses are bred off of three different things, sales, marketing, and operations. And the most important component when you first start is sales, because if you don't have clients, then you literally don't have a business. Mm -hmm. um, so I just went around and, you know, I positioned myself and uh, put, you know, ink some of the biggest deals with some of the, the top real estate agents across the nation. Um, luckily, because of my background, people know that, you know, yeah, I do have the skills. Yeah, I do have the, the, the credentials and the credibility to back up, you know, that I was actually able to help them um, grow their business. So sales was like really the, the key component to um, like the birth of, of my entrepreneurship journey. I believe that if you have the sales ability, you can build any company. That's right. I think the best entrepreneurs come from finance, come from sales and understanding the numbers and understanding how to persuade and how to influence and how to make sure you're making an impact with your clients, customers, students, whatever you want to call them in that's different right. industries. And that's one of the things that I, you know, just like yourself, I've did really well and I watched Wes do it is I'm able to bridge the gap between sales, marketing, and then the company and operations. I'm bridging that gap to make sure that everyone's speaking the same language. It's a, it's a rare combination for you to be able to grasp the concept of all three, right? Because it's mm -hmm. like the artist versus the engineer. Um, the artistry is the sales and the marketing, right? That's the artistry. And the engineering is the operations. And oftentimes, people are either too right-brained or too left-brained mm -hmm. to, to have that equilibrium. So to have that is actually pretty rare. To be honest with you, it comes from I have an engineering background. So oh, I wow. look at things and I was just looking, I just had this conversation yesterday, Wes, when we were interviewing someone else. And I know that it's difficult sometimes because engineers, we look at things backwards. I look and see what's wrong with it and okay. how I can reverse engineer it That's and to right. make it work and to understand. Cause when I'm taking things apart where I'm looking at it, see what's wrong with it. I'm trying to see how I can make an impact and improve it. That's, right. That's what I'm looking at. So okay. that's where my brain always goes, but me not living too far left or too far right. I am able to kind of figure, okay, I'm an introvert by my normal way, but I'm an extrovert because I had to be when it comes to sales. That so, is, you know, it's funny that you say that not to cut you off, man, but I literally just had a conversation with one of my friends um, because all of these quote unquote external successes that I've had in a short amount of time has thrust me into like you said, by nature, I think I'm a little bit more introverted. I'm a little bit introspective, but, um, you know, in business, you have to be an extrovert. You have to exert yourself. You got to get uh, their attention. No one's going to get you. You got to get their attention. That's right. And so, uh, it's funny that you said that continue though. I mean, obviously this is a lot of alignment and a lot of channeling and all I put myself back in alignment, making sure that I am the person I am today, but it's always about being hundred percent authentic. I mean, I'm the same cat. You'll see it a coffee shop, then you'll see me talking to you right now or I'm speaking on stage or working at a deal. I'm the same cat, but the way that I'm communicating with another person is different. That's right. It's about the way they want me to communicate with them. That's it's, the emotional intelligence piece. It's social intelligence. Absolutely. Yes. And, um, that's arguably one of the biggest facets, facets of success when it comes to selling or, you know, when you say selling, you're really in the, in, in the market of um, influencing people's perspective. And in order to do that, you, you definitely have to have good social awareness and intelligence. Right. Sales is all about just sharing a vision. And then once you get them to see that anything is possible when you're looking through an optimistic lens, yep. then you made an impact. And once they're able to visualize that, 
And here's where the, and I know Wes, I'm going to ask Wes a question with this because this is what he does. And I see him do it so effortlessly. He overwhelms the shit out of people and they know they have to use him. They, ha they need Wes now more or they need us more now because they're not going to be able to operate it on their own. Wes, can you talk about that control overwhelm that you do so well with companies and corporations? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, well, that's where the emotional intelligence comes in, right? To where you have to understand who you're, who you're communicating with. And depending on that, you can start to kind of assume where, where you can make that overwhelm happen. So, for, so controlled overwhelm is basically to where, like Chris said, I'm putting you in a position where you understand what needs to happen. So it's not a lack of clarity. I'm giving you clarity. Mm -hmm. So you know what needs to happen. You know the steps that it's going to take to get you there. But the issue is you don't know how to do it. Right? So even though just because you know the steps, you don't know what actually goes into actually getting to that outcome. So where I'm coming from is I've made it clear. You can see now the most important part is you can see where you can go. You can see that outcome, but now you understand, okay, the quickest way to make this happen with the least amount of resistance is to then use me or my company, you know, or whatever to make yeah. it happen. Right. And so that's where a lot of people struggle with this because it can have the opposite effect on you. Yep. Right? If you don't know how to do it well, you can actually end up having somebody running off because you, you, you got to be emotionally intelligent to understand what you're supposed to say, when you're supposed to say it, and how you're supposed to say it so that they're not saying, okay, you know what, this is too much for me, That's but right. you're controlling it so that you can say, okay, here's the outcome and I'm the reason why you can get there. Well, it's all about setting that frame. Right. You have to set that frame. I mean, it's all about really going back in and, and asking a lot of like the who, when, what, why, how, how questions and getting an understanding on what their world and what they're actually seeing and what they're feeling. Yeah. So once I understand how they're feeling and what emotions, I can start going in and figuring out where their emotional patterns are and how they typically make decisions. Once I understand that, game over. I'm going to make, now I'm going to, and I'm saying game over in a good way because now I'm going to make a huge impact with you. And right. I'm talking about for the next one to three to five to 10 and maybe for the rest of your life because I'm okay. going to teach you something that maybe no one has ever taught you before. Like we communicate with people and they'll go, no one's ever talked to me this way. No one's ever asked me those questions. That's how I know that I made an impact. And that's how I knew that I was one of the industry's best at doing it. Just no one knew my damn name. So, right. <laughs> so we do it. So I guess you would say it doesn't take long. I mean, I'm able to cut in a hot knife going, going right through butter, cut right through them. And I'm, now I'm inside of the core and the root of the potential problem. Then you don't even see it as a damn problem because you're telling me you want X, Y, Z. Right. But X, Y, Z is not going to get you there. You know what I mean? You need C, right? So yeah, and, and, that's the first step. And I think like just to add, um, just to add on to what you guys are, are discussing, I think you know, people who are good at sales happen to be naturally good at challenging um, yes. others yeah. because here, here's the deal, right? If you can't challenge, first off, you're doing everybody a disservice. If you can't challenge the way that somebody thinks, I don't care if it's friendship, platonic relationship, you can't grow with somebody if they're thinking in the wrong context and you can't openly discuss that with an individual, right? People think that it's being too pushy or it's being too uh, abrasive, but I think it's actually the opposite. I, I think, that I think I'm doing my damn job. That's, that's what it's it. about. I'm doing my job. Yeah. I think you're being a bit uh, fake and in disingenuine when you um, just cheerlead somebody on as if they're doing everything correct. If they were doing everything correct, then there would be no reason to speak with you in the first place. 
Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that that's something that a lot of people don't talk about on, on enough of, Wes, is that they think that when you, if you're in sales, like I've said before, it's not really sales, just sharing a vision and trying to get them to see it in, the, in their own lens and seeing it in the way that you're looking at it. And if they can't accomplish it, because a lot of people, they think they can't do it. And that's the first word I look for. I look for a lot of language patterns, yeah. especially when I apply a little pressure with people. I do that for a purpose, not to challenge them and make them feel, you know, I don't know, inferior, right? So I don't do it in that type of way. I'm just trying to see what their initial reaction is mm-hmm. and see where they go to. And I want to know where they're going to run to. And once I'm able to figure out where they try to run to for cover and hide, that fight or flight system. And mm-hmm. once I'm able to kind of figure that out, then I can able to reverse engineer it and figure, okay, now I need to knock down that one objection. So that way they are comfortable with working on being uncomfortable and going this way. That's right. And once I'm able to make that impact, now I know I'm ready for the next step and I'm going to frame that now. So it's all about making them feel comfortable. That's right. It's funny, man. I've taken, gosh, probably over, and this is no exaggeration, probably about, 300,000 cold calls um, during my sales career. And as unique and different and distinct that you think people are, there are really some categories that you can place people in. And um, people, you know, there's certain, like you said, there's certain jargon, there's certain buzzwords. You all, you have to be able to also read invisible ink. You have to be able to read things that they're not saying because oftentimes that's the most important thing. Somebody will agree with you over and over and over again. Sometimes if you're not asking the right questions because they just want to get off the phone with you. Yeah, they just want to get off the phone. You got to sense that too. You got to sense, I'm like, from what I just said to you, what did you hear? Like, I'll ask a lot of those questions just because I want to kind of see where you are. No one, I'm telling you right now, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when I'm listening to calls and I'm breaking calls down for companies. And someone sent me a call just recently this past week and they yes them off the damn phone and I wonder why they're not showing up to their next appointment. I look at missed appointments like a, I don't know, a slap in the damn face. That's right. Like that means I didn't do something right on that first call or second call, whatever. I'm like, yeah, means you do, something happened in that call where you didn't respect my time. And that's one thing you're always going to respect because yeah. time is the only non-renewable resource. I don't have to help with, I don't have to help you. Yeah. You might've signed up for a company. You might've signed up for a program. You might've signed up for X, Y, Z. My job is, that, is reach out to you, make contact to see if you might be the right fit. It's not that's my right. job to hold your hand and wipe your ass. Excuse my language. Yeah. So, and that's where a lot of people get really confused, Wes, in sales. They think they need to always be nice. I'm not nice. I'm firm, fair, and consistent with everybody. And I don't care who it is. Yeah. And I know that this conversation is going more into sales, but I think it goes from everything comes from sales in a way that you communicate with people on an intellectual level and also looking at it as your positioning. Can you talk a little bit about that real quick, Wes? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'll, uh, I'm actually going to also kind of point a question at Matt with this as well. So, cause that, that positioning Chris is extremely important mm-hmm. because that positioning is going to dictate the relationship, right? And the way that that person views you, cause if they view you then as an authority and they view you as dominant in your field and dominant in that relationship in general, they're more likely to follow you because now they view you as a leader. But if they are unsure of who you are, they're unsure of if you can actually accomplish what they, you want them to or what they need accomplished. Now there's uncertainty there. So mm. with, uh, for you, Matt, because you talked a lot about knowing what they're saying without them saying it. Right? I know that takes also a level of positioning for you to be able to do that as well, as well as a high emotional intelligence. How, like when you're coming on to maybe that first interaction with somebody, how are you making sure that you're positioned in a way where they know that you're an authority 
and are willing to follow you? You know, oftentimes it's the, it's the jargon that you use. Um, you know, when you're knee deep in an industry, there's certain keywords that you can quickly display to uh, elicit um, those that positive response that you're looking to extract from them. There's certain keywords that only people who are really knee deep in this game would, would understand. And if right. they're an expert of, of their craft, like attracts like, so they're going to be able to, to, to recognize that. The other thing is just, I think the way in which I speak and to add to Chris's um, point of, you don't need to, there, there's a difference between being nice and being effective. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people can't, see the, the 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 line between those two i'm nice but at the same time i'm very firm and i'm very effective in the time that i'm going to be spending on the phone with with anybody um, i'm going to make sure that the individual that i call um even needs my service prior to me even reaching out to them if not it's just a complete waste of time contrary to what any company says i think it's it's um, smart to do research on the people that you prospect before calling them um, cause it just saves everybody a load of time. Mm-hmm. I look at sales kind of like, like a lawyer, you need to be able to build a case for why somebody may or may not need your service. 100%, 100%. And, the way, and the way that you do that is through, um, you know, it, it really is through doing your research. Like any company that I've ever worked for, I did research on, on this individual before to make sure that, Hey, these are the pain points that I personally can see because I was selling social media, right? The same thing that I'm doing today, just as a CEO, I was doing as a sales rep. And most of the people would go in like Helen Keller, just completely blind. I'm not doing that either. I can't do it. I can't do it, man. Yeah, you have to have context. You have to be able to say, listen, these are the things that I know specifically about your business. I've done enough research to know that these are the areas of opportunity that I can help you. And also add contrast, tell them what they what yes. you can't help them with. The reason why you do that is not to look like you have a false sense of humility or anything like that. The reason why you do that is so that you give them contrast. When somebody tells you what they can do and somebody tells you what they cannot do, the trust factor is there automatically because now they've expressed to you where their lane is mm-hmm. and, and that specific lane and, and, and where they um, can add value. I don't think that enough sales salesmen do that. They don't because they don't know how to communicate. They think they need to be a one-up on everything. That's I right. mean, I like to stay within my zone of genius. I leverage my team to deal with certain situations. Um, let's give you an example. What makes Wes and I very effective in companies when we go and take on a contract, I won't talk about, I will talk about finance and I will talk about budgeting and I will talk about certain things. It's not that I don't have the knowledge. It's just I leverage Wes to have that conversation because he's a lot more direct and he has that more of a nurturing and a way of he explaining things mm-hmm. to them and it helps them and be a little bit more at ease in that conversation. And to be honest with you, I would have never known that if I didn't spend that time, that 100,000 hours with Wes. That's right. And knowing, I don't need to explain to Wes, hey, I need you to have this call with them. Wes knows exactly what he's going to do and I know exactly what he's going to go over with them. But if we don't need to have that call. I don't even look at the notes. I know exactly what time it is. That's right. But it's really difficult to have in your businesses. And I know that you have and you're done so much, right? And I don't want to kind of go so far in left field and only be about sales because I think that there's so much areas of opportunity for the listeners to really know more about Matt. And 
anything worth of value takes time and anything worth of value will take some understanding that you need to see the bigger outcome in mind. So when, I, when I'm asking these questions and that comes from a lot of people, they want instant success. They want it now. They want this. They want that. They want to make seven figures. They want to make eight figures, but they don't understand what it takes to become seven or eight figures because they're not willing to put in that damn work because it's a sense of entitlement there. And I know that's something that we had a conversation about before. And I know that, and I don't want to get too personal here and just feel free to, oh, please, man. Please. I think that your background and the way that you, your upbringing and you coming from a certain way and you playing tennis and you, your dad being very difficult and you becoming, you know, homeless at one point and going through those teenage, late teenage years have really actually molded you on your, the way that you overcome adversity. And I think that's something that it really needs to be addressed. And I would love to share more about that with the listeners right now. Can you tell a little bit more about your, like before Matt, before Matt Young, the young kid, Matt, in your upbringing, can you talk a little bit about that? So, yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, I grew up, uh, like we spoke about, man, I grew up very unorthodox, um, much different than most of my peers. Um, I experienced homelessness when I was eight years old in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, we lived there for about six months. Um, my parents split up and really that kind of just spiraled my mother into a state of depression in a certain mm -hmm. way. And, um, that obviously had a, a, a lasting effect on her finances and, you know, that transpired into obviously, you know, uh, being homeless and living uh, below, you know, middle-class standards. And, mm -hmm. you know, these things, like you said, they shape you, they shape your perspective. They shape um, the, the, the way in which you view the world. And I learned um, to just really use it as my, as my vantage point in the marketplace. I, I learned not to use it as a cripple effect. Um, I used it more so as just a, a, a means to propel myself because mm -hmm. when you come from the bottom or your perceived bottom, um, there really is nowhere else to go but up. And I think that's kind of what aided to my successes as an entrepreneur is like, I think you come into this world with nothing. I think that you leave with nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think that everything in the middle is to be gained. Success is earned. That's right. It's not given to you in that sense of entitlement. I mean, I had a conversation with someone one time and I was back way before I actually went into what I was doing for a living. I drove a beer truck for like six to eight months before I went and transferred credits from Jacksonville University to Clemson, right? So I, I had a CDL license, so I drove a beer truck. A lot of people don't even know this about me. I can't even believe I'm actually talking about this. But downtown Charleston is a very small street. It's Game of Ventures, right? Well, there's a lot of bums downtown. And I had a guy that was a helper on a truck that which carried the kegs and hand trucks and all that bullshit, right? When I went in there and sold you know, the beer and setting up the taps. And my objective was to be able to set up, you know, distribution, setting up, you know, certain things and taps and whatnot. Anyways, make a long story short, there's a lot of bums downtown. And then I had one helper at one point mention this and he was making fun of a, a, a homeless person and he was picking at them, right? And they always want beer, right? Well, we don't do package, we did kegs. So this is what happened. And they were like, we were trying to explain like, hey, we don't know. I, I was smart and I knew there was a lot of bums and I would actually put package on a truck like cans and stuff. It's like steel reserve. I should have you stand in front of a judge in the morning, right? So I used to give it to the bums every once in a while. So, but he kicked it out of his hand. That bum, no bullshit, got up and destroyed him. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about in the, my helper, who's a big dude, 
the homeless man, he was an older guy, but he whooped his ass. Yeah. There's a sense of survival there. He might be just making fun of him, picking at him, but he doesn't realize he's, he's got a whole different fight right there because it's not him going to win the fight or lo- losing the fight, the homeless man. It's, yeah. it's a sense of survival. I need to, I'm going to do whatever I need to do possible to win. And that's, that's a lot to talk about. I know that that's a crazy kind of analogy to use in this type of situation, but I think it was perfect for people to understand the mentality of when you're in a bad, really tough situation, your back's against the wall. It's not a should, it's a must. That's right. Growing up and having that deep-rooted sense of urgency, I think really put my back against the wall in a mm-hmm. lot of different scenarios. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that I don't wish that everybody experiences, but for the people that do experience it, I hope that you have the right perspective about um, how to use that as leverage and how to let that fuel your, your fire for success or to motivate you. Home is a foundation for people, mm-hmm. right? Your home is your, your, your sanctuary. That's where you lay your head at night. Um, that's where, you know, a lot of your most intimate thoughts exist. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that, it's, um, it, it can make you feel like you're floating, you know, and trying to grasp something tangible to make you feel a sense of groundedness. And there's two uh, decisions that you can make. You can either allow it to help you catapult or you can allow it to, you know, force you to plummet and um, everything's a choice. And so fortunately I was just strong enough to govern my, my thoughts and govern the direction in which I, I wanted to go. Cause it was just, it was a desire at right. the end of the day. I think this is a good opportunity Wes for you to kind of chime in here with the background and a lot of people don't understand it. Wes can, you know, comes from a third world country and, and there's a lot of things that he's been, I'm not going to say working on, but him trying to figure out rechannel and getting that voice out of getting, explaining that to people that that's a mentality. It's not a, you know, it should for Wes to be successful. That's right. It's a, it's a must. That's that right. It's a failure for him. It's the, I think one of his biggest fears is not going through life and living at his fullest capability. I think that's, that's yeah. important to kind of talk about. Can you spread a little bit of knowledge on that, Wes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, growing up in a, a certain environment where, you know, it's, you didn't have luxuries, you didn't have electricity. Well, you had electricity, but you know, it, it was pretty much off most of the day. Right. And where you're warming your hands up and, you know, and on your little, I guess, fire, ta- not even a fire table, but a little pit. Right. And cause you didn't have heat and things like that. Growing up in that kind of environment where it's war torn and things along those lines, you, you develop a survival type of mindset. Mm. Absolutely. Which, which it can work good or bad, like you were saying, Matt. It could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, depending on your perspective. That's and right. So where I was blessed was when I had the opportunity to finally, you know, come to this country. And the one thing that I noticed around me, first of all, was that everybody took everything for granted, mm-hmm. right? But for myself, I was like, that's where the work ethic came in. I had my, my original motivation came from fear. The fear of, hey, I don't want to go, I don't want to be that. Right. Like, I don't want to go back to that. Okay. Right. I don't want to go back to, to being poor. I don't want to go back to any of that. Right. So that was my first motivation. Now, when I started working on myself and truly trying to become the next you know, version of myself, my fear went from the fear of not having to the fear of not accomplishing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that accomplish came from within. Right. So I'm, my fear of not being the best version of myself each and every day, because there's no limit to who I can become. Right. But there is, I can put in the best of me every single day. And if I don't do that, that's where I feel like I'm failing. That's where my fear comes in. And so I'll, I'll kind of turn that question to you is how, how much of your motivation stems 
from that fear? 99%. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. I mean, there's two motivating factors. There's hope for gain and there's fear of loss. And ironically, no matter how high I climb or how high anybody climbs, there's always that, there's always something that triggers the, the motivation for why you do what you do. And, um, so much of it comes from that, man. So much of it comes from that. Even, even, you know, no matter how much I have in the bank, I always feel broke. Mm. And, and it's like, I've, I've, I've channeled that and I've, I've made it like uh, a knee jerk reaction to think that way, because if I don't, and I get fat and happy, then I get complacent. And when you get complacent, nothing great comes from sitting on your thumbs and, um, mm. and feeling accomplished. You know, mm. it's like, people are enamored with talking about what they did in the past. People are enamored by talking about what they're going to do in the future, but truly nobody gives a fuck. The only thing that people care about in this world is what you're currently doing. Nobody cares about, you know, your future goals or, you know, what, what accomplishments you may have had that it's, you just sound washed up when you even speak about what you did in the past. It's like people just who gives a shit. You know, the ones that talk about that, they have, they, they have, that's their identity. And I yeah. pick up on that so quickly, even the ones that I'm going to say their names and point their names out. The people that we're meeting nowadays and these guys are supposed to be the, the, the major players, right. In, in the type of industry. And I'm like, you ain't shit. You ain't shit. You're surface level. There's no substance to you. If I asked the what, when, why, how question, and you're not going to be able to answer that the way that, I would normally answer that question. Then I know that you, I'm not going to say it though to you. You're going to feel that from me. You're going to feel it. You know that I maybe potentially have something else to bring to the marketplace or something else to bring to the industry or to the audiences or whatever that might be. You put people in a situation in that type of situation, you put them in a situation they can't tell you no, Matt. They can't tell you no. They're like, I really don't want to give it up, Wes. I don't want to give this title up. But I'm going to have to give it to them because I'm going to take it. If you don't hand it over, we're okay. going to take it. And that's, that's a mentality. Comes from all those things that we had overcome in our past. I, the way I look at life, and I shared this with you in our one-on-one uh, -on -one conversation, we talked a little bit more in depth about, you know, some of our traumatic experiences and pain and overcoming that adversity. But the way that I look at when my sister going through all the shit she went through and breathing through tubes and my mom overcoming what she's overcome, my dad working his ass off and, and being able to provide food, but he taught me a lot of great things. And I was able to take those things and realize that I got no excuse, Matt. I got, I got zero excuse. I, I got to live in my life to its fullest capability and being able, that's my, my biggest fear is not just like not achieving it. I know I'm going to achieve it. My biggest fear is that me losing my fucking mind. There's sacrifices, man. There's sacrifices that have to be made when you, you know, when you get to a certain level, most people just focus on like, you know, it's funny, the people who are um, typically not accomplished, they think of accomplishments as the goal, but right. the accomplishments are just the byproduct. Like, mm -hmm. no matter what pinnacles you, I, Wes, or whoever you have on the show, no matter how many accomplishments um you know the, the the most successful people i feel just have a layer of emotional detachment to the things that they've done because they know how how much further they have to go mm -hmm. um so but 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 sacrifice man it's like feeding going back to the the entitlement here's the thing man if you have and and can have the right perspective 
and not believe that the world owes you everything and not believe that you're owed the world because you think that you breathe watermelon flavored air. You can go very, very far in life, but unfortunately, most people think too highly of themselves without credentials, which is the craziest thing to me. It's like, so let me get this straight. You haven't done anything um, mentionable or noteworthy in your life, but yet you feel as if the world should just be at your beckoning call. It's crazy. You see it even with, not in, in, in what people say, but also what they do. People will slide into your DMs and think that you should just respond at, at, I mean, I at a time level. for that shit. Yeah. I, I, like, like, who the hell are you? Like, why do I need to respond to this damn message that you're sending me? You're not even sending me a message. You don't even know how to send me a message properly. Yeah. Well, you should be sending me a message. Hey, you really inspired me and I really like some of your content. Hey, I did. I looked at your page and I looked at well, your business and I looked at it and I know how I can bring some value to you. Would you be open for a phone call? That's how you fucking message someone any worth of substance or a value. And like, it's not about what, it's what about what value you can bring to me. That's right. It's always, that's where a lot of things with sales on people don't understand. It's always about that. You talk about people don't give a shit. People don't. Yeah. No one cares about what I accomplished. People right. want to know about what I had to overcome to get here. Right. That's what they want to know. That's and that's right. what we're willing to share. So I mean, I talked about this in a training today with uh, a company. And I don't, know, I don't know what the hell I actually was talking about it for, but I talked about like, listen, guys, I mean, it's not that difficult or complex. You're making it too difficult. You have to really take in the fact that like, listen, you came here for a reason, whatever that reason is, that's your why. And if you're not willing to put forth the effort and have the right attitude, I can't do nothing for you, man. Those are two that's things right. that, are, that you possess, you and it takes zero talent. You put forth those two things. I can do anything you want me to do. I can help and teach you anything. So I think that's for the most part. I know that, you know, we're running pretty much right out of time. And I want to make sure that we're talking a lot about the, the businesses and the, the things you have going on. You're doing some big things, Matt. I think that's a freaking amazing on what you're actually able to accomplish. And it's still on the same type of wavelength and meeting some major players and actually setting up leads and doing the type of things. Can you sprinkle a little bit and share with our, with our um, audience? exactly what your business does and what you have going on and the impact you're bringing to the marketplace today. hundred percent. So, you know, Matt Young Media is my personal brand. Um, we have, you know, t- like I said, tons of some of the biggest players across the nation that use our system. And what we do that's much different than what everybody else is doing in the marketplace is we are actually, you know, we're generating the lead. We're qualifying the lead with U.S.-based, college-based um, inside sales associates. We're not outsourcing it to the Philippines or, you know, India where there's a huge language uh, barrier. We're keeping it in-house, having eloquent conversations about people's needs, whether it comes to, you know, buying a home or selling a home. Mm-hmm. And then we get, not only do that, but we also just transfer the live lead directly to our, our client partners um, in real time. So you know, just five minutes ago, we just transferred um, to one of my clients in Chicago and she just, you know, hopped on the phone with a guy who's looking Basically for Basically what you're doing is you're warming up the lead and qualifying the lead and making sure you're putting them in the right person. Correct? Correct. I think that's beautiful. It, a lot of people don't takes, do that. They don't know what they're looking for. It takes so much weight off of the, you know, the, the real estate agent's hands because they're busy. You know, the most successful real estate agents, they're already busy. They don't have time to be making 150 cold calls through a power dialer, things like that. They don't have the time. So we've, we've really kind of 
created like a one-stop shop for all of that to exist and really kind of removed any excuses for why you should be successful with our, with our program in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So, so that's an area opportunity maybe potentially we can have together. I know that we can set up a couple different types of calls and maybe we can kind of like different types of meeting. And that way, Wes and I can talk about some of the things that we're obviously doing with our companies. And obviously we just founded and, and started and making an impact because we like, like the real estate, I don't have time. That's right. I don't have the time to reach out to people and qualify and do all that bullshit. I need to figure out, I need to make sure that my current existing base and the companies and corporations and the people that I'm having a com, you know, contract with, that I'm putting them in a position to win and bridging that gap within, you know, the sales marketing operations, making sure everything is working properly. And we're all speaking the same language That's and right. we're all on one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome. We got to move guys. Like I don't have time to prospect or ha- even teach a sales team to prospect. I need them to work with the right people to make sure that lead is hot and is moving and is going through the system. Right. I'm not going to try to explain who I am to a buyer or That's a customer. Right. I'm not going to do it. That's right. And, 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 you know, you become recession proof when you can do one of two things, when you can either make somebody money or you can save them time because time and money is synonymous mm-hmm. as it is. They're just cousins. And so when you can make people money, they're going to stick with you for life. Or when you can save them time, that allows them to, free up their time so that they can go make more money, which is just a cyclical loop. And, right. um, and so we I'll tell you, I'll tell you one extra is doing something that no one wants to do. And no one wants to learn if that, I'm talking about sales. This is the era. This is the, this is the decade for a lot of like female entrepreneurs. That's why I really believe this because of the high emotional intelligence, but this is the yeah. decade for that shift that needs to happen in sales. When people say that word sales, everyone has a certain attachment to that word and a feeling right. to that. Uh, sales Wolf is all Wall Street, boiler right, room. Yeah, that, that's, no. that shit's dead. It's over. Yeah. Like these, the, even the ones that are selling in that type of way, go kick rocks. You might as well go. And just like and I said this as a joke the other day, and I did it on a podcast. I don't know why I did on a podcast, Wes, or I did it in training. You want to get nowhere to find all the successful ones that have been there before, like the, the, the old sales techniques and all these things and where to find these books is on the freaking clearance rack. It's over. Game time. It's over. Right. Go ahead and hang it up, man. Play That's the right. fucking song. Sing, like slap the fat lady and make it happen. Do what you got to do. This is, the de- this is the decade where people are going to really get to know how to really make an impact with people and increase their experience to a crazy amount of outcomes. I mean, it's just way, way, way so deep on just those areas of opportunity that I see with people in digital uh, marketing companies or agencies, people don't know what they're talking about when they're, when they're talking about sales in general and marketing. Yeah. So I think that's important. Wes, would you like to add anything to that? Uh, really? I think the uh, a question maybe that some people are thinking about for Matt, like if we have, we have a lot of actually real estate. Um, yeah. A lot of, a lot of our audience also does come from real estate as well. So when you're, you know, if say that somebody wants to use that service, where do you typically, or how do these leads get generated? Or do you have a specific like system that you follow to generate leads that they know, okay, you know, I'm going to get a certain amount of leads coming in every day. Yeah. So we have, I mean, we really have it down to a science. I mean, we, we are pretty much in like most major metropolitan markets. Um, Mm -hmm. and we know like exactly what the cost per lead is. Mm -hmm. You know, we can turn on up the budget, down the budget, um, as necessary. I mean, we have clients with, big budgets that need thousands of leads per month. And then we have 
smaller clients who just need 100 leads or 200 leads per month. Um, those primarily come from Facebook, but I have a, a second company um, that I built called Realply, or I co-founded, um, which is called Realply, and that is through LinkedIn. So basically, we are like the genius masters of sliding in your client, your perfect clients' DMs um, and getting them to respond and want to book an appointment um, and warm up that transaction um, so that we can help you um, take it from conversation to conversion. And we've seen incredible success uh, with that as well. You know, some of my clients are selling multi-million dollar homes. Um, one of my clients who also, I guess, inadvertently through our, uh, through him becoming a client, he also became a, a business partner of mine. Uh, he's done over a billion dollars. Those are the best ones. Those are the best ones. Yeah, he, um, he's, he's just a really solid guy overall. He's crushing it in the San Diego uh, market. His name's uh, Rudy. Uh, Rudy Medina, and he's put over a billion dollars in the ground. I mean, the guy's just a mover and a shaker. He got Grant Cardone into real estate. So that's one thing most people don't know. Grant Cardone's first deal um, that he did in, I believe it was 1990, um, actually happened with Rudy. Um, and I, I believe they both put, you know, a, a mill into the project and doubled it in less than like I want to say two, two years or something crazy like that. So, um, so yeah, we got some, some really just some successful things happening with, with Realply. The, the real value add with, with Realply is the fact that we're doing everything for you again. So the convenience factor is just super high. You don't really have to do anything, but just step in once you get a notification and you get a new lead, you step in and, and further that, that, um, you know, that, that conversation down your sales pipeline. Um, but we're, think of us like just the perfect wingman. You see a girl in the club and you, or, or the bar and you say, Hey, you know, put me in front of her in the best possible position. And we're going to do exactly that. Mm -hmm. But at scale to thousands of, of your, you know, dream clients each mm -hmm. month. Is there any accountability from you warming up that lead and any certain criteria that a company is looking for? It may be different and different ones, but the accountability piece right there to make sure that you're fulfilling on your orders of a hundred leads or a thousand leads a month, whatever that is, mm -hmm. is that what's the accountability piece there? We, we give guarantees, you know, so that that's another thing. If we don't hit the number that we've expressed, right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that we would gladly refund our clients for that month. So it's basically you're paying for that service. Do you ever have in your contracts where you're getting a piece of the upright of you getting them a certain percentage of warm leads or fresh leads? And that, that way, if you, at the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, I'm just the way my mind works. Yeah. Structuring deals is what it's all about. So if I was structuring a deal, I would put it somewhere in a contract where, hey, if I'm going to bring you 100 leads and you're now closing more like 40% more, 100% yeah. more, 200% more, I want a piece of the upright. That's right. Real estate is funny because you can't actually take a piece if you don't have your license. And mm -hmm. so I'm in the process. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as an after, I'm talking about just the client acquisition piece of not the actual real estate deal. I'm talking mm -hmm. about as in, so say for instance, if I gave you a hundred leads and you were per me, right? You were closing in the business, maybe 20% of those leads, but I increased you closing 40% of the leads or getting them into a listing or a contract then you'll give me a certain percentage of whatever that, not the deal on the construction or, or maybe commercial or real estate, not that. Well, actually, I understand the whole 
policies and, and whatnot when you're dealing with the real estate, but actually a piece of that onboarding process, they'll pay me a certain amount, maybe a kick or something like that. You know, I don't, I don't structure my deals that way for a couple mm -hmm. different reasons. One, because the agents that we're typically taking as a client, they're already good at what they do. So it's really just a matter of volume generating them more leads so that they can mm. close more deals. I, I tell this to everybody and it doesn't matter what niche that you're in, but what I've learned in life is that you can't take people from bad to good, but you can only take people from good to great. Mm -hmm. I find people who are already good at what they do. And I say, okay, you want to generate more closings. Um, and generate more sales and more listings and commissions. Mm, this right. is the system that's going to help you do that. Um, but as for like whether or not I actually coach them, I give them, you know, scripts and, um, you know, like follow-up systems that I have other clients using that are extremely successful. But I don't really track that piece of it because that's for them. It's almost impossible because it, it, that's a privacy clause when it comes into theirs. I understand. It, it, that. It's, yeah. kind of, it's, it's more intangible than anything. The tangibility is this is how many leads I'm going to generate you every single month. Mm -hmm. This is how many live transfers. If I don't generate this many leads, let's say that we agreed on 200 leads per month for 5,000 a month. And I hit 199 and my team hit 199. We would allow you to keep those 199 leads and we would actually refund you back um, your investment uh, right. that month. That makes sense because you don't have to deal with it. I mean, I know that in, I mean, just like in every industry, and I, I know that a lot of people, especially in sales, they like to try to inflate numbers or deflate numbers, just whatever their quota is, right? So you'll get people say, yeah, it's not a qualified lead. You're not sending me a warm lead. The only, only warm thing about them is that I knew their name and email and, and what they're trying to accomplish. Do you okay. get a lot of that with your contracts sometimes? Not really, just because I'm very thorough. Um, okay, if I good. set up, and it's a vetting process there. Oh, buddy, it's um, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's ridiculous how many questions gotcha. that I ask. I mean, I, I'm if I get one yellow flag that says that we're not a good fit, I just walk away from the deal. Good, and that that's the thing that's actually backwards, right? And it's what's helped me scale um, so quickly is that I'm not the type of guy to beg for people's business. I know the mm -hmm. value of it. I have tons of clients who use it. And at this point, I guess the, um, when, uh, Wes was asking about like the, how do you build authority in the, in the, um, in the beginning of a call or when you meet somebody that, that is the authority walking right. away is 100%. the authority and zero, people, zero emotional attachment to that. That's it. That's it. I, I, I quickly, um, when somebody's trying to like haggle with me on price, I just yeah, walk, I typically just walk away from the deal because I right. say, listen, most of my clients are more focused on the outcome um, as opposed to the, the price. So if you're that fixated on the price, then this really may not be. It's a good, not the price. It's never the price. It's never the price, never the objection. It's, it's, it's whether or not it works. That's, right, that's exactly. the bottom line. Right. I mean, for the most part, I know we've got to wrap up. I have a call here in, in a couple of minutes and I want to make sure that I'm good with time. For the most, I mean, how can our um, audience find you? We're getting a lot of downloads, a lot of new subscribers each month. And I know that we'll do a lot of different things in the future, maybe an IG live and whatnot and promotion of the podcast and the episode coming yeah. out. But how can our listeners, the ones that are tuning in today, get to you quickly? Yeah. So follow me at facebook.com slash I'm at young. Um, follow me on Instagram at I'm at young or uh, on LinkedIn at I'm at young. 
So okay. all of pretty easy, all right? Of that. Yeah, pretty, right. pretty easy. So. I got you, Wes. Anything you would like to, um, you know, make sure that you're nailing down on this this one episode? I think there's a lot there in a lot of different areas for people to consume this information, to look at things maybe potentially a little different, slightly different, and make an impact in whatever they're working on. Yeah, ultimately it comes down to your perspective. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna take away anything, it's your perspective on life and how that's gonna affect your outcome. Right. And so if you're somebody who's entitled, you got to be able to look at yourself and check that, you know, is that your ego getting in the way? And, you know, can you, if, if you just, instead of looked at things like, Hey, who owes me something, look at it as in, Hey, I'm grateful for what I do have. And, you know, I get to earn even more. Your, your life completely looks, you know, different moving forward, but I love everything you said, Matt, and just make sure everybody, make sure you're following Matt on any of the platforms that you enjoy following. If you're a realtor, I highly recommend you check out the service because at, you know, if you really want to get to that next level, you got to have people who can get you there. So hundred percent, hundred percent. You want to, you want to go get to the next level. You go with people. You want to uh, stay where you're at, then you go alone. So I think we're strategically making sure I talk to the media team and the editing team West to make sure this one's going to follow the one couple of the real estate people that we had to come on. Cause I think that might be something that an area of opportunity, especially for Matt and of following up afterwards. Um, and definitely I look forward to continuing to see, seeing your growth, man. I, I'm you one so of your biggest much. fans. Keep killing it, bro. Keep doing Thank your you thing. Guys. Thank you guys so much, man. I got utmost respect for both of you, you know, where you guys have come from as well. And um, yeah, thank you guys. And I look forward to speaking with you guys soon. Yeah, yeah man. Take Thanks, care. Man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Right. We'll speak soon. Yep. Bye All guys. Right. Bye guys.